The Guardian. Hello and welcome back to Science Weekly, where we're following the coronavirus outbreak and addressing the questions you're sending our way. We have plenty to explore, but do keep them coming in. Just use the form we've set up at theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions, all one word. Recently, Stylianos in London wrote in, expressing his anxiety about the possibility that government might enforce stricter lockdown measures and stop people going out. He told us, All of my friends live away from me, so I'm worried about my mental health in the days ahead. The impact of social isolation on mental and physical health is something that's concerning many of us. So that's what today's episode is all about. I mean, this is a probably the most stressful situation for most of us in across you know the last couple of generations so although i'm worried as a psychiatrist i'm also at least reassured that that there is some resilience in the general population i'm ian sample science editor at the guardian you're listening to science weekly my name is uh, carmine pariante I'm professor of biological psychiatry at the Institute of Psychiatry, Psychology and Neuroscience at King's College London. A large part of the world's population are now in lockdown, socially distancing from people not in their households and working from home. Carmen, first, what do we know about the long-term impact of isolation on our bodies? So social isolation is basically equivalent to a chronic stress, a quite powerful chronic stress. So it's as bad as poverty, bereavement, discrimination. So it's just a powerful social stressor. And so it does to the body what stress does. So increase, for example, our immune system. It makes it more uh, hyperactive with potential negative consequences uh, on our cardiovascular function. Increase our stress hormones, which then has an effect on the brain and on our metabolism, so the way we control our sugar and our fat. It's increased blood pressure. So everything the stress does, social isolation also does. Mm. And does that have an impact on the brain as well, or is it really just the, the body as such? There is an impact on the brain. So again, we know from studies on social isolation and also from animal studies, the, the brain basically starts suffering the animals forms less new brain cells or more brain cells die. It is interesting because there is also clinical evidence that social isolation increases the risk of dementia and cognitive decline in older people. So a lot of the studies have been conducted on, on the concept of social isolation as in long-term conditions where people have reduced social contact and a very small or absent social networks. So they don't have any friends, they don't have a partner, they don't have relatives. More as a condition of a long-term situation rather than an acute change in in life. Mm, mm. So in general, for most people, quarantine is not going to be like this. Mm. It's First of all, it's shorter compared to, you know, if you like, months of a lifelong uh, experience of, of being socially isolated. Mm. And a lot of us can connect to people, to existing friends and relatives. However, having said that, we have people who uh, fulfill the criteria of social isolation, especially older people, 
that perhaps already are coming from a situation of reduced social networks. And these obviously are the people that are more vulnerable for the impact on both mental and physical health. I presume uh, in the shorter term, uh, the thing a lot of people will be worried about is the impact of the lockdown on mental health, whether their own or, or those of others, and whether those others already have sort of vulnerabilities in that area. And we saw a study from the University of Sheffield that showed there was a spike in the number of people self-reporting uh depression and anxiety uh, following the announcement of, of lockdowns. What do we know about the effects of the kind of isolation we're going to be experiencing on mental health? So in general, again, social isolation does increase the risk of mental health problems more as a chronic condition. Mm. So we know that social isolation increases the risk of depression, anxiety and suicide, and again, quite powerful. We also know that quarantine, so there are a few studies done uh, from other people from previous ep epidemic situation uh, that can mirror more closely what we are experiencing. And we know that people uh, who are confined for quarantine tend to experience more anxiety, fear, anger, and frustration. Mm. So there will be negative consequences. Now, there's a couple of points that are interesting to make. It is true that there's been a peak in anxiety and depression right after the announcement of the quarantine and the restriction of social uh, contact. However, even if the number of people reporting depression or anxiety spiked from 20% to 40%, it still means that the majority of people are not at least self-reporting depression and anxiety. Mm. And that actually shows that there's quite a lot of resilience in the general population. I mean, this is a probably the most stressful situation for most of us in across you know the last couple of generations so although i'm worried as a psychiatrist i'm also at least reassured that that there is some resilience in the general population do you have a sense of when these problems might really start accruing. I mean, it feels to me just talking to colleagues and friends who are in exactly the same situation as, as, as the rest of us, it's already hard, but we may be here for many months. Um, and I'm wondering where we are likely to be mentally um, two months down the road, three months down the road. Yes, I, I share your concerns. And from the data that we have on previous quarantine experience, Everything longer than 10 days seems to have quite a, a negative effect, and that's where the, the difference starts to be quite evident. And of course, there will be additional problems of uh, people's financial situation mm. changing and people becoming more and more progressively more worried about that. And we also know that what really makes a difference in terms of uh, mental health during quarantine period is information and also a sense of altruistic experience. Mm. So we need to explain to people why this is important to really save lives uh, across the whole world. So giving, giving an altruistic and aspect of our sacrifice will have a positive impact on our mental health. Because the uncertainty itself becomes stressful. Absolutely. Uncertainty is worse than knowing 
the something bad is happening in a way. A lot of the messaging around the lockdown and how the nation's going to come together and the messaging sometimes invokes the the sort of, you know, the blitz spirit and all the rest of it. And I'm sure that is effective for some portion of the population. But I'm also sure there will be other people who really don't feel that blitz spirit. And for them, this is probably just terrifying and lonely. And I think that's when the strength of whatever community support is available can really make a difference. People who are isolated and quarantined may feel that they've been forgotten. So one important point is uh, to remember that perhaps the most vulnerable group are the health professionals. Because of course, in addition to the to the stress and the burnout situation of their of the intensity of the work they are scared about getting infected and they're scared about bringing the infection back home to their relatives and then there have been issues of even stigmatization and and we know from previous experience of quarantine in other areas affected by infections the staff the clinical staff that quarantine are actually the one that develop really long-term psychological consequences I mean, some of the people who've been in touch with us um, to share their concerns about being in isolation have raised issues around, you know, having mental health issues themselves already, but also around issues of sort of safety in the home, around uh, partner violence or, you know, or children with separated parents. And some of these people have been saying, look, they would just rather take their risks with the virus that for them, they feel that the the cure is worse than the illness. And that's a that's a tough one, isn't it? It is. And I think there has been quite a lot of concerns expressed about the increased risk of domestic violence. And this will need to be decided on an individual basis. Social services and other, the police and other organizations that supports, for example, women who are at risk of domestic violence are still active and are trying to do what they can. And I think my really my invitation is for people to seek help as much as they can. In terms of taking risk in general, and I think uh, that's probably across a variety of, of settings, not only about people who feel unsafe at home, although these are, of course, an important category. There are also people who feel that if they don't work, they're basically at risk of simply not being able to have food on the table for them and their families. Mm. Again, information is the key. The key point about quarantine is not primarily to protect the individual, it's primarily to protect the population. But for people to take individual choice, they also need to remember they're responsible for the people they infect, not only to themselves or for themselves. Just finally, Carmen, you mentioned a bit about this earlier, but it would be great to leave people with some things that they can do perhaps to help their physical and mental well-being throughout this lockdown. Have you got any any suggestions of things we might be doing? Well, I think the lack of control is perhaps the most overwhelming feeling that we're all experiencing. However, we do have controls on a lot of things we can do. So we can still have a routine in our daily life. Maintaining good social contact is essential, especially at this time. So use the phone, 
try to maintain a, a good mental health through relaxation technique, doing physical exercise at home. Just try to maintain a life which is as much as possible similar to what was before. And at the same time, focus as much as possible on today's and tomorrow, because simply we don't know what the future will hold. Um, Carmine, can you still hear me okay? Yeah. Are you doing a lot of exercise? I do. I do Kung Fu and our club has organized online classes so we can all connect. Bit tricky to do sparring though. Yes, it's true. So we are concentrating a lot on techniques and then we'll go back to fighting uh, when we can um, finally punch each other again. <laughs> Carmen, thank you so much for joining us. Real pleasure to speak to you and uh, look, good luck with your own experience of the lockdown. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks to Carmen for joining me this week. If you're feeling anxious or concerned, there are links on our programme page to some helpful resources. If you live in the UK or Ireland and you need urgent support, the Samaritans can be contacted at 116123 or email joejo at samaritans.org. We would love to keep hearing from you, so please continue to send your questions via the form at theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions, all one word, and if you're worried about symptoms you might have or want to find out more about the outbreak, please head over to 111.nhs.uk. From all the team here, look after yourselves and we'll see you soon. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com podcasts.